where are we going to put all of that waste? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. For every product that moves through the supply chain, there's an amount of waste that's generated once it's consumed. And figuring out what to do with that stuff has never been more crucial than today. It's the key to a company's efforts to achieve true supply chain sustainability with the ultimate goal of keeping 100% of waste material out of landfills. So how do companies move forward with that initiative while at the same time controlling costs and achieving maximum efficiency in making and delivering product? Today, we explore the complexities of waste management and the waste stream and sustainability in general with the help of Ray Hatch, CEO and president of Quest Resource Management Group. We'll talk about how companies can satisfy what appear to be clashing priorities for sustainability and logistics efficiency, what's happening on the regulatory front to mandate environmental reporting and compliance, and whether it's possible to create zero-waste systems at scale. Here's my conversation with Ray Hatch. Ray Hatch, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate you having me. Ray, we're talking here about the top sustainability hurdles that we need to look out for in 2024. And I want to start with this idea of a clash of logistics versus sustainability responsibilities, the way in which companies are going to be balancing their logistical priorities with cost efficiency, productivity with sustainability objectives. Talk to me about that and how that's going to materialize in the coming year. Yeah, Bob, that's a great question. And I think a lot of people or a lot of companies ponder that. We actually don't see that as a a direct conflict between the two. Maybe that viewpoint's unique. But our experience has been, since we work in sustainability so much, and we do all with companies, uh, B2B, that the top priorities for logistics like cost efficiency, productivity, reducing shrink and all that fun stuff and the associated costs align with long-term sustainability objectives as well. That's kind of how we look at it. I think the bigger question may be for a lot of these companies, obviously there's some angst over the ESG sustainability impact and really the efforts to try to optimize that, that maybe there's some concerns like fossil fuel reduction and operation waste. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is, is that there are some times where something on the surface may look advantageous to your carbon footprint or sustainability in general. But you got to make sure, like, for example, if you find something that saves you a few miles on your route, like route efficiency, but if there's more idle time, I guess what I'm saying, I think the broader way to look at that is to not get too caught up in it, see it as a complement, if you will, to the, the already logistical goals and the, the profitability goals the company has. And there's so many great monitoring technologies out there that AI is driving that can help them. So that's kind of, I guess, the answer to your question is, but we really don't see a conflict there. We think the two work pretty well in harmony is what we've seen. 
Well, it can certainly be argued in the long term that the type of visibility that you need in order to achieve greater sustainability throughout your supply chain is going to be a plus going forward because it's going to help you become more efficient just generally in your logistics operations for sure. But is there not some upfront investment that's required in sustainability that could cost more in the short run and you have to sell that to upper management in order to justify that early expense with the ROI down the line? Yeah, great point. And I know a lot of our contacts that we talk to in our space, the sustainability guys, are always looking for information to help them. I think the term is sell up within the organization. And we try very hard to provide that. So yeah, there's typically maybe some upfront costs, but they're not recurring. And when you start driving those efficiencies and reducing shrink and all those other fun things, they pay for itself. But we try to provide data to those folks as they sell up that show the long-term efficiencies versus any short-term, near-term upfront investments. Also, one's choice of suppliers used to be governed by cost. Now it's being governed by a lot of other factors, including sustainability. That might alter which suppliers you want to use, those that are most willing to provide you with data on so-called scope three emissions. They may not be logistically the most ideal supplier up front, right? So balancing those criteria still seem to be something of a challenge. Yeah, I'll tell you that that's probably one of the biggest issues or thoughts or changes as we go through this, Bob, is waste more so than anything has, has typically been an afterthought as to how you manage your waste in the past and previous generations. And it's usually pretty simple. You look at the phone number or the email address on the can behind your building, right? That's mm -hmm. the way it used to be. And as these companies like ours and, and others, I think the key thing is customer alignment in the sense that those folks that don't own landfills, companies that don't own landfills are really good partners to have because agnostic has the means of disposal. And these companies can partner with you and do partner with you. That's what we do as well. To look at your sustainability goals in your business, and we're not a slave to any capital asset, a certain type of disposal. And so we're able to be fully aligned, both economically and sustainability applying with our customers. There's a bit over the last, I don't know, maybe 10 to 15 years, there's been more of an evolution of companies that operate more as a consultative company to drive both sustainable cost-efficient solutions as opposed to just hard asset traditional waste companies. Okay, so any challenge of this kind, sustainability, visibility, waste management, the temptation is to turn immediately to technology so-called cutting-edge yeah. technology. And for sure, technology does exist out there that can help. But do you think that companies just throwing technology at the problem is a problem? And how might they approach technology in a wiser way that will actually achieve the desired results? That's a great observation, Bob, that companies, CEOs, we have a tendency to look for the, what we call it the easy button, right? To basically move to our whole responsibility relative to the initiative, i.e. sustainability. And, and put all that responsibility, frankly, on a piece of technology that we bought. It's not a substitute for good practices and understanding what your actual goals are within your business. Technology that we've seen that we utilize, is, it's typically a really good reporting type of thing of your activity. It doesn't fix bad practices. It, it basically will identify them for you through the data research. I guess what I'm trying to say is if technology is not a substitute for a well-thought-out plan, technology is an enhancement or a support or an aid to the execution of a well-thought-out plan. So data seems to sit at the core of this whole discussion, does it not? Even before yeah. you apply the necessary technology, what steps would you recommend that companies take in order to work with their 
suppliers, their vendors, their waste management streams in order to make sure that data is indeed flowing that makes possible the technology which makes possible the sustainability. That's absolutely right. I think it's important to make sure that you have the ability to capture that data and you have a partner that can supply it to you in a format that is something that that can roll up and be actionable for you. Even if you don't know you need it right now, I think collecting all the data you can on a consistent basis will allow you, maybe there's a need you'll have for that data that you can look back in the future, but you can't look back at data you didn't capture, right? So I think it's really important to partner with a company that captures all the data points. Like for example, we operate with a, uh, I think one of our key components is the data warehouse that captures everything. This sounds simple, but it's it, it's <laughs> actually quite cumbersome. Every time a, a material is picked up at any of your locations as a business, we know what was picked up, what material it was, how much of it was there, where is it going, all those fun things. And it all goes on a data warehouse. And then as your reporting requirements kind of substantiate themselves and you know what you need, you can always reach back and get that through a BI tool is how we do it. We have a portal with a BI tool, so you can go back and do that. We've seen this so much, Bob. It's over the last five to 10 years, companies really trying to make effort to increase their sustainability and they're stumbling around and really don't know how to do it because they don't know what data to look at. And when they do have an idea of what data to look at, they don't know where to find that data. And it kind of makes the whole exercise a little redundant and moot maybe. So I guess my answer to your question is data is at the core. So you can validate and see the delta and the changes in your practices. We do waste audits as well. I think waste audits should be done consistently. And the waste audit basically is to see or confirm or understand what your locations are throwing away. You don't really know unless you do that. And then you compare those waste audits and that data to the actual waste performance you have. That way you're able to put your finger on the pulse of what's going on. And I think one of the biggest differences, Bob, is I'm, I keep using 10 years ago, maybe longer, maybe shorter, depending on the company, is the fact that all anybody really cared about on their waste was that it disappeared. And <laughs> I understand that because none of these businesses are in the waste business. They're in the something else business or making better widgets or taking care of their customers that are totally understandable. And that's the way it should be. But other things have changed besides just cost and the observation of how and what you do in your waste management programs. Investors care a lot more about that. Again, a number of years ago, Investors didn't care. And now you've got many investors, institutional type, that are driving requirement for you to identify and, and lay out your sustainability goals and then execute to them. And when, when investor money starts being tied to sustainable performances, obviously the, the priorities around that grow dramatically. But again, to this issue of technology that can be applied to this, anytime we talk about data and analytics today, we almost always move right into a conversation about artificial intelligence. I'm wondering yeah. to what extent that can help, because you say you bring in data about, quote unquote, everything. At the same time, you say they don't know what data is important and what's not. So Obviously, there's got to be a way to manage the data you need, figure out what that is, make sense of it, analyze it, use it. Is that where true cutting-edge technology is actually being applied today, or is that something for the future? No, I, I think it's being applied today, but it's definitely got a lot of uh, runway into the future. It's, it's kind of relatively new. But yeah, data, hard data collection is just hard data collection. It's absolutely meaningless unless you have the right tools to turn that into actionable data, trends and and all that fun stuff that show you, it's actually a term that I use here called waste performance, which seems 
I like a strange term, but how is your waste performing for you? And the AI tools in the portals allow that to create something that's actionable for you. So you really get a composite picture of what your waste performance is at your locations. There's a technology that's out there now that's really advancing that's basically sensors for containers, whether they be compactors, open top, all the different types of waste containers out there. And these sensors exist. They've gone from just uh, telling you when something's full to telling you what's in the container, forecasting out based on AI and the seasons and the volume of your particular business. Like if you're a retail store in the holidays, it knows what your past performances were relative to volume. And it, it adjusts the schedule of pickup for the waste companies to come pick it up. And AI is really the only thing that I guess you could do it manually, but it'd be really cumbersome. So it's a combination of the physical sensor, identifying what the current state of the waste is, predicting and forecasting that out. And even to the point where it reaches out and contact it being the sensor, the technology reaches out and contacts the hauler to be able to come at the appropriate time and be much more efficient and limit the number of redundant pickups to be able to take care of your waste needs. So AI definitely plays a part, Bob, in taking all that millions of bytes of raw data and giving you something that you can actually use to enhance both your sustainability and your economic performance. Ray, what do you see shaping up in 2024 now with regard to requirements for greater corporate transparency of environmental impact and climate risk, mandatory disclosures? What types of things are we likely to see this year that's going to very much affect uh, how companies manage their waste? I think you see an acceleration of, of what's there now. SEC climate disclosure regulations are going into effect, but I'm hoping, and, and I will tell you that our clients are aware of those needs and have, have already been moving down this path at a pretty accelerated rate. I guess the answer to the question is, as these, these come, things come in, whether you're private or public, I think I was mentioning a while ago, a lot of the private investors have expectations and requirements as well beyond just the SEC governed companies like ourselves. I think it's an acceleration. I mean, one of the things, there's some studies that show a frustration, frankly, from a lot of companies that can't access or they know what they need, but they haven't been able to find that technology to be able to keep that data or how to be able to read it or how more, maybe more importantly, in some cases, how to be able to extract it and report in the way that the SEC and other uh, companies want to, other entities want to see that reported. I see on the horizon a continued growth in non-traditional waste companies like ourselves and others that operate in a more consultative manner and are able to, one, anticipate those future needs that we know about and position our customers to be able to report on a more consistent basis. But it, the rigor is, is accelerating, Bob, and so the need to have a partner to help you keep up with that, I think is accelerating as well as we move into the next year. Then there are the physical challenges as well, is what you do with your waste. As you said earlier in this conversation, they just in the early days just wanted it to go away. Well, now, for instance, it's just more difficult to find places to put it, right? China doesn't want our waste paper anymore. There's a lot more restrictions on, on landfills, which are a lot of closing down as to what you can put into them. And so what are companies facing in terms of narrowing of choices as to where they can recycle and whether indeed certain things that were considered were supposedly recyclable actually aren't, like certain types of plastics? What are some of the challenges in 24 you see emerging as a result of that? That's a very insightful question because especially the part about what what we thought was recyclable is not a lot of companies. That creates a lot of contamination in your recycling bins and contaminated recycling bins 
all go to the landfill, right? The discipline and separation and knowing what the materials are at the waste generator level, which is the operators, the need to understand what those materials are, how to separate them accurately. And going back to the partner type of situation, unless you want to have a lot of expertise on staff, which I don't think is cost effective, finding a good partner that understands those escalating needs. Because for example, you brought it up, where does this stuff go? It always used to go to the landfill. Now, where does it go? Well, it's not a simple answer anymore, is it? It's a situation where this material can go here, this material can go here. Organic material is some of the most accelerated regulated waste. I mean, we always had regulated waste around batteries and stuff like that, but but organic material has become a really big hot button in numerous states, and I think it's going to be more because it fills up the landfills predominantly. There's a ridiculously high percentage. I think in some cases it's over 50% of the landfills are dominated by organic waste. Despite composting efforts? The composting efforts, are that's the good news. The market's reacting. Because of these needs, there's more and more composters coming up or making themselves available. So how do you, as a waste generator, make sure that you have the most efficient way to do it? And that's where your partnerships come in. Mm-hmm. is that you need to work with somebody that knows where all those composting facilities are. What's the most cost-effective way to get there? And, and Bob, I'll go even further. Like on the food side of the business, the majority of the organic waste generated or created or thrown away is packaged. Well, packaged organic material can't go to a composter unless there's a process involved. And really, depackaging type of equipment is absolutely required if you're going to optimize your diversion away from the landfill. And that goes back to the partner again that understands who has that capability, who does, and what's the nearest place to take it. So we have to find good alternatives as the demands and the restraints, I guess is a better term, as the restraints continue to grow. You've got to continue. We're always constantly searching for better alternatives, closer, more cost-effective alternatives than all the different materials. But it's a moving target. Regulation continues to accelerate and change. And the expectation is, is that these waste generators are going to comply with all that. But it's not that easy. It's not a simple decision. The ultimate goal, of course, is zero waste. What's your best guess as to how far we are away from achieving true zero waste systems? That's a great question in the sense that waste is a broad term. I had a meeting with a customer prospect a couple weeks ago, a large grocer, and they've already achieved 94% waste diversion. When you achieve 90 plus percent, a lot of folks consider that in essence zero waste. It's within a margin of error. But the further you get down that path, the harder and harder it is to continue to divert. You start to reach a situation where there's just no home for this stuff. And so that's when you have to start, when I say you, I mean the waste generators, have to move more upstream to their suppliers, whether they be packaging suppliers or whatever the nature of their business is. And they have to start really pushing upstream to make sure they're getting the packaging or whatever it happens to be that is either compostable or some other recycling thing. There's only so many things you can do. My point is zero waste is basically unattainable if you don't have suppliers to your business that are also bought in. So Mm -hmm. the answer to your question from my perspective is you can get very, very, very far down the line. To really have achieved that, Bob, I think my thought is, is that there needs to be a push upstream to the manufacturers in a lot of cases, these products and the packaging and the types of things to help us have materials that will more conform with the zero waste initiative. 
Ray Hatch of Quest Resource Management Group. I want to thank you so much for talking to me about this critical issue about sustainability, waste management, and perhaps a very positive future for dealing with those topics. Thanks very much for being with me. Thank you, Bob. We appreciate the opportunity to speak to it. Very important topic. That was my conversation with Ray Hatch of Quest Resource Management Group, talking about supply chain sustainability and waste management. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read our Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter or X at SCBrain. And also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time.